Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As any parent of young children can say, we can expect a particular phrase to crop up from time to time, one that is especially common when children spend any amount of time comparing themselves to friends or maybe to other siblings, and the phrase is, that's not fair. How many times have you heard that before? Probably more than you can, you can count. How many of us have said that before? Probably more times than we can count. Now, when we hear that phrase as a parent, that's not fair, there's an obligatory parental response. I want to see if, if you know it. If, if one of your kids says to you, that's not fair, what must you say? Life's not fair. That, okay, so we all got the same memo. That's good. Well, that is what we teach our kids, right? Life's not fair. And why? Why do we teach them that life's not fair? Well, we want them to learn from an early age, of course, that not everything in life goes according to plan. That sometimes we have to put up with people or events in life that do not affect everyone equally. And sometimes they disproportionately affect you more than others. And the sooner you learn this lesson, we say, the less disappointed or crushed you'll be when it happens. Uh, I told especially a lot of the, the young people who were with us in early service this morning, and we have some young people in, in service here today. I want you to listen to me carefully here for a moment, because guess what, young people? Adults, we still feel that same way. That doesn't go away. We tend to complain that life's not fair still, but we've just figured out how to do it. We figured out that we can do it in more subtle, subtle ways. You see, in our lives, no matter how old you are, we are always comparing ourselves to other people, whether they are Christians or, or non-Christians alike. We see how our lives are either better off or worse off than others. We see how our lifestyles are either more or less extravagant than others. We see how our health is either better or worse than others. We internally digest all this and we think to ourselves, well, why doesn't God allow me to do this or have that or live this way? And so while we might not be throwing temper tantrums or we might not say it out loud at all, you better believe that we as adults still have, tend to have those same thoughts and ideas worried about life not being fair. That's exactly what Jesus was addressing in our gospel reading today in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus is actually responding to something that his disciples said, Simon Peter specifically, who had been quite concerned that the original disciples, the 12 disciples, the ones who had been with Jesus from the beginning, that they were starting to be considered equal with everyone else who had started to follow Jesus. If you back up just a few verses from our gospel reading, back into Matthew chapter 19, Peter had just said to Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Can't you just hear in Peter's words that he was worried about making sure everything was fair according to what he felt he deserved? 
And so Jesus proceeds to to tell the, the parable then of the laborers in the vineyard to describe how things work in God's kingdom. That's what Jesus means whenever he says the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like. When you hear that, you know that Jesus is describing how he works, what things are like when he's in charge. And essentially what he's saying is that with God, things are not fair. At least they're not going to be fair according to our standards. You're all familiar with the parable. We heard it again this morning. The first laborers in the vineyard are hired very early at daybreak to work a full day in exchange for a day's wage, a denarius. Then many more people are brought into the vineyard by the owner throughout the day, promised to be paid whatever is right. And this continues all the way then until the 11th hour, which would have been about 5 p.m., with just an hour left in the day to work. Well, then it comes time for everyone to be paid. And so the owner of the vineyard gives instructions to his foreman to gather everyone together so they're all going to see this and to start to pay the workers, starting with the ones who were hired last. And what would have been to everyone's surprise at this point was that these workers were given still a full day's pay. The owner's generosity was on full display for everybody. But but you see, that's not what the people who were hired first were thinking about. They weren't thinking about the owner's generosity at this point. Instead, they could only think about what they were going to get. Yes, they had agreed to a denarius with the owner, but when they saw those who were hired last get paid, they just naturally assumed that they would get more. They deserved more. But to their surprise and dismay, a denarius was exactly what they got too. So what was their response? That's not fair. These last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But the owner said to them, one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did I not agree with, did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Now, can I tell you a secret that probably a lot of us think about when we hear this parable? One that we might not be willing to admit out loud. I think that if this were an actual real-life scenario, one that involved us, one that involved our real work, our real pay, our real wanting, and what we thought should come to us, then I would venture a guess that most of us would probably side with the group that complained. After all, it's only fair, right? If we were in this story as the workers who were hired first and we knew that we weren't going to get more than a denarius, which we agreed upon with the owner, then we would be satisfied with that so long as all the other workers only received a percent respective to the amount of work that they actually did. Which is interesting when you think about it because our pay doesn't change. For some reason, we like to become concerned that everything is fair 
that so much so that we will feel better or worse of what we have. Again, it doesn't change so long as we know what's happening with others, and we feel that that's fair too. And so this says something about our sense of fairness as human beings, our warped sense of what's fair and what's not. These are our thoughts. These are our ways. And so often it involves us taking our eyes off of the generous hands of our God, and instead we spend so much time fixating on our hands, either what's in it or what's not, or on the hands of others, what's in it or what's not. But as God says in our Old Testament reading today, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Because God's way is a way of mercy and grace. And mercy and grace just doesn't compute in this world. So often it doesn't compute with us either. But this is the way that God chooses to work. When you look back at the parable, if you were to reread it, you would see the owner of the vineyard, who of course represents God, he was not interested in being fair with his workers. He had an entirely different purpose in mind. In fact, when you go back and reread the parable, the owner's intentions become increasingly clear as the day goes on. We heard it as he went back time and time again into the marketplace to hire more people. And you see, that's not what you're supposed to do as an owner of a vineyard. In fact, it could actually show some economic miscalculation. As an owner, you should know how much work you have and how many workers you need at the beginning of the day. So the fact that he's hiring throughout the day can only mean one of two things. Either the owner of the vineyard is really bad at his job, or, like I said, he has an entirely different purpose in mind, which is to get as many people into his vineyard as possible. And once they're there, to reward them, not, not according to how well they worked or how much work they did, but simply to reward them out of the generosity of his heart. But you see, when we as humans, with all of our ideas of fairness, try to analyze God's thoughts and God's ways, so often we are scandalized by him. That group who was hired first was scandalized by the owner's generosity to the last group. The religious elites in Jesus' day was scandalized every time Jesus chose to eat with tax collectors and sinners. Even Simon Peter was scandalized by the thought of being made equal to all those who were recently following Jesus. And so we at times can also be scandalized when we begin to compare our lives in this world to others, thinking that we deserve something better or greater from God rather than what we're getting. But just like with the laborers who took their eyes off of the master's generous hands, the master whose goal it was to make room in his vineyard for as many people as possible, we too may forget that it is the same mercy and grace and generosity of God that has made a place for us in his kingdom. 
After all, we admit every Sunday in confession that we don't deserve to be here. We deserve what Adam and Eve deserved when they were exiled from the garden. What the Israelites deserved when they were exiled from the promised land. We deserve, on account of our sin and our rebellion against God, by our sinful nature to be exiled, forever separated from the holy and righteous owner of the vineyard. And when we forget that fact, when we forget what it is we actually deserve, we begin to have a very warped sense of what it is we think we should deserve from God. But God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Even in their rightly deserved exile, Adam and Eve, as well as the Israelites, they still didn't get what they deserved. God gave them precisely what they didn't deserve. Instead of an eternal exile, they received a promise from God. The promise of a son, the son of the owner of a vineyard who would come to them. And so when this son arrived, God placed upon him, his son, all the things that we did deserve, which is his punishment, his righteous punishment and judgment for our sin. Instead of us having to bear that, it was put upon Jesus and the Son stretched out his merciful and generous and gracious hands on the cross as he died in our place. By his death, God has had mercy on you, not given you what you deserve. And what's more, he has given you his grace, that is, given you what you don't deserve, which is a place in his kingdom with him. God raised his son from the dead, and he promises you that when you believe in his son, you too are welcomed into his vineyard, into his kingdom forever. A place made for you that you could never earn on your own, but instead was given to you for free. Jesus did respond to Simon Peter and his concerns in Matthew 19. He said, truly I say to you, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold in return and will inherit eternal life. But you notice what God's grace, what effect that has on us. It levels the playing field. There is no one who is greater or worse than another. No one has more of God's grace. No one has less of God's grace. As Jesus says, the first will be last and the last will be first. The scandalous grace of God equalizes us all. Therefore, there's no vying for position in God's kingdom. There's no comparing ourselves with others in God's kingdom. There's no thinking ourselves better or more deserving than anyone else in God's kingdom. Because we recognize and remember that we are all equally undeserving, but that God has been equally generous to us all. And so the question today is, is this fair? And the answer is no, absolutely not. And thanks be to God for that. We dare not ask God to be fair with us, at least not according to what we deserve. 
God is generous and gracious with us, and we could never deserve that, even if we tried. And even in the days and years of life where we are truly burdened, and to be very clear, there are heavy burdens to bear this side of eternity. Times when it seems like, at least according to worldly standards, that life really is not fair. And all of that is true. But because of what Christ has done for us, we can always confess, even in those times, that God is always generous and gracious and always will be. Because he sought us out knowing and letting us know that there is a place for us in his kingdom and his son Jesus Christ has made our place absolutely secure. So the next time you hear someone say, life's not fair, or the next time you may be tempted to think the same, you can respond, yes, that's true. And thanks be to our generous and gracious God for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.